I'm Jerry Barmash, and this is Here Now the News. Greg Bierko has been a regular in roles since the late 1980s. It's a deep resume for the versatile actor, and in part two, we'll delve deeper into some of those memorable roles. He also discusses arguably his biggest achievement, starring in the revival of a Broadway classic and the recent loss of his co-star. Plus, Craig reflects on how he was almost part of TV history. I hosted years ago a smaller award show once, and it was a, I took it really seriously. I wanted to be a great host, and I I love talk shows. And if an award show, I used to love, like, you know, when it was done well, I loved the hosts, you know. But, uh, so I was, I was going to hand out this stuff, and I had done a movie, so I I was able to be in the position to do this. And I don't even remember what it was for, but they were honoring, it was a lifetime achievement for Michael Douglas. So he's sitting right there, and I'm telling all my cute little jokes, realizing, oh, this isn't really an audience. It's a bunch of people waiting to see if they get something or not, and nobody's listening. So it's just this weird, horrible black hole, and you try not to look and go, oh, my God, it's that guy, you know? But I was aware of Michael Douglas the whole time. When I presented the award, and this is at a three-hour event, and it was everybody, you know, everybody. You, you, you go, well, here's the thing. He came up. He looked right into my eyes. And he said, thank you very much. It was incredible. It was not bullshit, great salesman business stuff. I got the sense this is somebody who knows is an actor. It means a lot to him. He's a producer. He's had to say yes and no to, to actors. He, I'm working. Maybe I made him laugh. Maybe I didn't. But I have a feeling he's like that as a guy. I just got a sense of like, I want to be the guy. I'm doing what I love to do with my life. I have to admit, part of the reason I started doing it was because I thought I could cut corners. <laughs> It actually adds corners. That's the final joke is that being in this business adds corners. But seeing somebody who comports themselves like that, I thought that's great parenting. Also, it's going through the business with integrity, learning from, you know, I, I don't know him from Adam. I just know from that moment I can vibe people. And that was I thought that was a very gracious and generous moment. It's the only thing I remember about the entire evening. Wow. That's great. Was that was that sincerity? Because uh, they they take it and they they kind of smile and then they it's all about the lights on them. He took a nice long beat. We met eyes, and he he wanted to, me to know that he appreciated what I was doing. I thought it was great. That's nice. I keep meaning to write him and I, and tell him that, but and I've seen that a few times. It's very nice and very rare when you you meet some of these people who you have this idea about and they actually fulfill your expectation. There's actually, because if you think about it, a star is somebody who reads somebody, you know, somebody else writes something brilliant and they say it convincingly. They're, they may be nothing like that, uh, that heroic person. They might be horrible. A lot of them are. So when you meet some, Tom Hanks was somebody like, like Tom Hanks was, is Tom Hanks. You're, and it's such a great thing. Ron Howard is exactly what you want Ron Howard to be. Hmm. It's so nice, but it doesn't happen a lot. Right, right. That's good that you get the people that you expect that they should be that way. They're 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 through and through the Tom Hanks's and and Ron Howard. That's great. Yes, yes. That there's something that whatever it is that they've conjured and people seem to enjoy, it doesn't matter because you would enjoy them anyway. But that it comes from a genuine place. 
and that they actually, they take the time to meet you. And it isn't a trick. I mean, I had heard that Bill Clinton did this thing where he mesmerizes you and you feel like you're the only person in the room and women walk away swooning. That strikes me as kind of a trick. When somebody actually has their feet on the ground, it's usually because they've been parented well or they've been knocked around enough that they just don't buy into any of the crap, that this is just a job and they value other people. That's great. So the, the, the short answer is, I guess I can't invite you to the Oscar party. So that's out. That's... Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't go. I, 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 for the last five years, I, I don't know what is up for best picture or best play. And I never watch the shows. I never even know the nights they're on. Wow, really? I'm happy for anybody who wins, but really what it, you know, and, and whatever they get from it. But it comes at the expense of four other people feeling terrible as if what they did was not quite good enough. And it's not the truth. And it, it excludes a majority of the people. It's a very, I think it's a nasty marketing ploy and uh, that benefits very few. Also, it doesn't add up to anything. Nobody ever remembers who won Best Actress the previous year. You know, no one. It's show business, and 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 but it's 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 at the expense of of I don't know. At times, people's mental health they get so worked up about it. They don't get shingles over this. Jesus, it's just stupid. They're not even well made. Did you know that they're not even well made? I knew somebody who had one, and they kept it on a shelf that was in the sun, and it was and it was leaning over over the years. She thought it was hilarious. It was just like it was dying. I thought it was hilarious. So it was like it was melting. The the, the gold. In this, yeah, it was. It, you it couldn't take the sun anyway. Well, this is not a commercial for the Ampass for the uh, Academy <laughs> of Motion Picture Arts and Science. Yeah, I don't. I think it's safe to say that uh, I'm not going to get an Academy Award. But uh, blow me, sorry. Can I say me? Uh, <laughs> but if you did get nominated, you would go, right? I like to think. Well, first of all, the obligation is to sell the movie. You're not there to uh, revel in your selfless, your selfness. You're, you're probably obligated. It probably is, says in your contract anything related to the movie, any, if the winning of awards, you're probably contractually obligated. But I like to think it's the same thing as, oh, boy, if the house was on fire and there was somebody in there, I'd like to be the guy who'd run back in. But I'd like to be the guy who says, you know I don't think it's a good thing, and I don't want to compete with actors. I'm not a competitive person. I've actually been hurt by friends who were more competitive than I thought they were in, in a bizarre turn of events, uh, like actual theft. I saw it. It happened. It was taken, and blah, 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 and a friendship. And in the business, I'm so happy with every job. I feel so lucky to be there, to be able to be doing what I want. That when I see somebody acting out, and everybody acts out, but it's you know it's tired, fatigue, or something's frustrating, or this, you're working with some asshole, whatever it is, or you're an asshole for the day, whatever it is, people are human. But when they forget how fortunate they are to be doing what, and they start treating people without their power poorly, uh, that uh, I I I don't like that, and I don't like anything that feeds that. And awards feed that. They, they feed the illusion of specialness. I think, actually, we're in an age where exclusivity and specialness is dying, which is a good thing. And I think fame is dying. 
it's reached critical mass. It started with the Kardashians. Why are we watching, you know, and then it was almost like we're stuffing ourselves on cake. And now we've got a president who was a talk show guest and a bad one at that. I couldn't turn the channel fast enough. I remember seeing him for the first time when I was 10. This guy's got nothing of interest to say. And I'm 10. I just not a big nothing. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll throw some cake up and things will change. One of the greatest lines I ever heard about fame, it was a Paul Reiser, who's really funny, just said, I worked so hard to get here, I realized, you know what it is? More people know who you are than you know who they are. Hmm. That's how it is. And that's all it is. And a good table, better, you know, things come with it. But when you realize you can't turn it off, and that's, if you're really famous, it's going to be people bugging you for an order, you know, no matter what's happening in your life. And they're not meeting you. They're meeting a projection of you, an idea of you. They have no interest in you. It's a weird thing. And specialness is bad, I think. Tell me a little about what movies, what, what roles would uh, people have seen you in? There's a long list. Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm now at a point where if somebody approaches me, I can tell what movie they've seen based on their age, their ethnicity, sometimes their apparent uh, mental state. Um, for example, if they're nuts, it's probably Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> Uh, or, you know, interesting. Uh, but if nine times out of 10, if it's a woman between 30 and 50 or 60, it's sex in the city. And then the ones that you really can't read are, you know, the movies. But a lot of times it's a Cinderella Man, which was just a damn good film uh, that I was proud to be a part of. And uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, which is, I think, is just the living end of action films of that genre. I love Die Hard, and this was, I thought this was a kind of nastier sort of Die Hard, and Gina Davis was superb in it, you know, uh, it's just, and that was great, um, and it has a very specific flavor to it. It's, it's people consider it a Christmas movie now, because it all takes, but it's a nasty action movie that's, that's really fun. And then, what else, I, every once in a while, I, like I said, I did this show on Lifetime called Unreal, we won a Peabody Award the first season, and it was very female-centric. It was with Constance Zimmer and uh, Sherry Appleby. They played two of the central characters, and they were running a reality show. I was, uh, you know, the producer of the show and a disgusting, horrible person, which was really fun. But it was all about the women, and, um, and I loved being a part of that. We did that for four seasons. So sometimes people, because they're binging on things now, they'll watch that show. And honestly, the best part about uh, it's always nice. No, if, if people come up and recognize you, and it doesn't, you know, mine's the perfect level. It's not like it's not nonstop, and I can feel like I'm basically an anonymous person. And occasionally, somebody says, "I like what you do." Thank you. That's a nice feeling. And the ones who don't really don't make it a point to say, "Don't care for your work." It just doesn't happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, what was what was I going to say? I'm at that. I, it's I have fifty itis. If I don't get right to the point, if I take one side road, one access road to make a colorful point, I can't find Route 66 again. I got I driving through backyards, people's living rooms. I'm I'm just <laughs> driving a wire. The uh, you mentioned the Tony nominee. Was that for the Music Man? That was for the Music Man. Yeah, and what what year was that? That was in the early 2000s. That was the year 2000. Year two, okay. In the future, yeah. Um, and we did 
heartbreakingly. I alluded to it being a difficult couple of weeks. We lost uh, Rebecca Luker, a consummate uh, professional, uh, but a gifted singer, a beautiful, beautiful singer, a wonderful actress, beautiful human being inside and out. And, she, and the first co-star I had for the first Broadway show, I, I had no context to realize just how fortunate I was. I can't remember a, a single moment that was uh, anything but supportive and great. Someone who's always right there for you on stage. Plus, she would sing to me on stage every night. And it was like having God pour milk on your face. It was just the most incredible, beautiful sound. I, I urge you to go on YouTube and um, if you can find her singing anything. But she's, from that show, she sang... Uh, Good night, my someone is a, is a is a pretty famous one. Good night, my someone. Good night, my. And she's basically singing to the love she hasn't met yet. And the show was directed by Susan Stroman, who went on to direct the producers, very talented woman, who had just lost her husband. He was the original director, a guy named Mike Ockrent. He had just passed away a month or two before. She took some time and then decided she'll take over for him. And you talk about a professional. I just met Rebecca. She told me she's from Alabama. So for the past 20 years, I called her Alabama. She started singing Goodnight, My Someone. It was her on a stool, me sitting in the corner and waiting to, for my entrance after the song, and Stroman listening. And Stroman said, excuse me, right in the middle of the song. I thought, oh, she's got a call. Maybe she doesn't feel well. She was gone for about five minutes. Rebecca and I chatted. She came back with red eyes. And she said, I'm sorry, please continue. And that was the only moment I can remember that I would be able, other than that, her professionalism was so apparent. That was the only moment I could tie to the world of loss that she was experiencing. That this song and the beauty of it that Rebecca conveyed. And I watched it each and every night and it was never anything less than that. It was hmm. just divine. And uh, she was taken by that son of a bitch bastard disease ALS, which is a mean, horrible way to go. Uh, we just lost her. My heart breaks for her husband, Danny. I have memories of Danny coming backstage. He was there every night. Dutiful husband, and he was an actor. And in the years since, has be Danny Burstein has become quite a big Broadway name. Very talented. He was in the wrong uh, few years ago yes yes he was tevia and fiddler yep. on the roof he was Doolittle and uh, my fair lady i mean yep. he's a go-to guy and the nicest guy they're both just sweet souls and so all of broadway is hugging danny right now but she also got to see him emerge and share that with him which i, I i'm happy for uh and i'm just so blessed to have known her but right now it's just pain, it's the pain part the experience that I had with her was the play. It didn't blossom into a close friendship. We were friendly over the years. I had just seen her perform last year. She was magnificent. And she was going to come to the, I invited her to the opening of the play that I mentioned. And she couldn't, this was a year ago. And she said, I've got a thing in my leg. We're trying to figure out what it is. And now a year later, bang, that's how quickly and vicious it is. Cause it was the 20 year anniversary of the music band. So we were going to tie it into the opening of the play. And it's a loss, but it's it's Broadway's loss. And you know what? 
it's the only way I thought now we've got a reason to dim the lights for a year on Broadway. That's how long they should be dimmed. Hmm. That's how great she was. She deserved more than a minute. And now they're actually bringing the show back next year, I guess, right? Yes. And boy, can we use that show? It's a beautiful show. It's funny to play that role because every you look out of the audience and half of the guys in the audience are mouthing it along with you. But you go on that ride. I'm sure he'll be wonderful. Please let it happen soon. Hugh Jackman. Because I think, yes, Hugh Jackman, I should say. Yes, it's, a, it's such a gift to play that role. To, you know, you sort of get into the cart and you ride this incredible roller coaster. It's not easy. You know, it's a, it's, it takes a lot out of you. But boy, it, it, was, it was just fantastic. It's a magical show and the effect it had on audiences every age and then to be on stage with somebody like rebecca i mean and the cast we had it was just it was magnificent it was a truly beautiful experience and and that i i wish it for him but i also wish it for america like like i i actually think we need to be reminded of in such a sweet and simple and sincere way there's a note at the beginning of the play that says this is a valentine do not make fun of it you'll kill it because I, yeah, when I first read it, I thought, oh, it's a little bit of a Chevy Chase thing. You know, it would fall apart. It has to be completely sincere. And then what comes out is two people who, if they miss each other, will have nobody for the rest of their lives. That's really what the story is. It's very dark. As is Guys and Dolls, also very dark. A very spiritual plays. These plays endure for a reason. And, yeah, I, I wish that for, it's a great palliative. We could use it. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, once we get to that point, I know that one. I think Broadway's supposed to open in in the summer, and I think they're going to have the Music Man not until next spring. But I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. But I believe that's what I I hope so. I I I hope so. I, it's I, I'm I I can't I can't quite get and and I, it's hard to believe I was just doing it. But uh, like I said, I think you get over that hump. You get your first. Se- iPhone, and then you can't imagine not having an iPhone. Same thing. Let that be soon. And I, I hope this vaccine. Have you heard any stories about the vaccine? Is this is it working? Is it taking? Are people? Uh, I mean, I don't know how far we are as far as it's working or not. I only know about if there have been side effects or not. I, I don't know anything else yet. We don't. Oh, that's right. Then it also got it. There's a second dose, right? Second dose. Yeah, yeah. I think with science and all the things they've been able to do, these miracles that if there's a second dose it could be pie it put could it be. in pie oh in okay like your first thing is a cake then you come back in a month and we'll give you pie does it have to be something you stab me with must i be stabbed yeah can't we you know you get less side effects if you ate it in a brownie i guess i had three vaccines i'm sorry i had three vaccines you know you wouldn't be able to stop that would be the problem. You wouldn't be afraid of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I hope it's I hope it's uh, gonna be the answer. I hope so. And and yeah, quick, quick, sooner rather than later. I I read I, one last thing I wanted to ask you. Little trivia, I guess. Here it comes. It's about Go you. ahead. Here it comes. <laughs> Were you the original uh, Chandler? Supposed to be the original Chandler for Friends. Close. I was cast as every role in the show. That's how good I am. I was cast as Rachel. I was cast as a, and I was going to do it with finger puppets. I see. And then, no. 
I'm just kidding. I was cast as Rachel and I didn't like the hair. Not for me. The true story is that I, I went in, I had a deal with NBC, which uh, a holding deal, which basically means you get some money up front and uh, you all year long, you talk to people about who are developing shows that they're trying to get on the network. Most of them aren't that good. And then the really good shows come to the end of your contract uh, time. And if you like one, you say, hey, I like this one. They go, okay, we'll go in and audition for it. Yeah, but I, don't I have a deal with you? Yeah, but read the whole contract, which says, fuck off. If we want you to audition, you know. So there were two shows that came at the end of my contract. One was called Best Friends. And uh, this wasn't called Friends yet. The other one wasn't called, it was called Six of One, which they changed to Friends. I read both scripts. They were both being directed uh, by the same guy and, and uh, a terrific director. And I said, what do you think? He goes, uh, I, and I was all, and I went in and I auditioned for both. And one was, you know, friends. Uh, I, the first role I auditioned for was Joey and that didn't feel well. David Schwimmer, I went to college with, was all, already playing uh, the lead. And so I read Chandler, even though that was obviously like, they were looking for like a bookish nerdy, like Woody Allen guy. And I went in and I read, this is actually true. When I got the script, I took my friends Hank Gazaria and Matthew Perry out to breakfast. And I said, I just got a script that would be perfect for us. And I said, Matthew, you would be Chandler. I said, Hank, you'd be Joey. And I wanted to play the, the role of Ross. Uh, and I'm going to talk to NBC about it. I, that literally happened. I was the first person to cast uh uh, Maddie in, as as Chandler. By the way, I couldn't imagine anybody more perfect. So much so that when I went in to read, I, I had known Matthew so long and was so familiar with his his rhythms that that was the rhythm I took on. I wasn't imitating him, but it was very much a Matthew Perry take on it. You know, very dry. You know, uh, I think even like hitting those odd words the way he does. Mm -hmm. Got it. And then I also got this other one, which was called Best Friends, which was diametrically different. It was still a sitcom, but it was sort of about a, a stay-at-home father, writer, and his daughter. And they found this wonderful girl who had never done anything before, like big, but she was a natural. And it, she was wonderful. And I loved the script. And I thought, this is sort of like what I'm doing in life anyway, is hanging out with a bunch of guys trying to be funny. I also thought, and still, I guess on some level, it was like this Seinfeld. It's it's non-Jew Jews in an apartment building that's too big for the, anybody to afford. And they're wandering and no one locks the door and everything's funny, but nobody laughs when somebody says something funny. It's, you know, uh, but I, I did like the script, but you also can't tell from a pilot because I love the other script, too. And I tortured my girlfriend at the time because I had a weekend to think it over. The producers from Friends called and said, are you kidding? Do this. Because they, they had said, you would be like Woody Allen on the inside. But at that point, this is up long ago, sort of like, um, oh, I can't remember his name. But it was sort of like, a, he doesn't look like he would be the neurotic mess that he is. And I chose best friends because I'm smart. Friends, best friends. If there was super mega friends, I would have chosen that. No, I went with the one that was what my heart said. And I don't think that there are any mistakes. I think things happen for a reason. 
and then Matthew went in and auditioned after I turned it down. And the reason he didn't audition, and I believe if he went in and auditioned first, he probably would have gotten it. But who knows? But the, but the reason he couldn't was because he was doing a pilot. I'm not going to say the name of it. He was doing a pilot that took place in the future in an airport, and he was a luggage handler that worked, and his best friend was a robot. That was the show. If that had gone... He would have been the guy who did the show where he was a, a luggage handler in the future whose best friend is a robot. So he goes in and he reads for Chandler and the rest is history. But there's there's never been a time, A, people thought it was such a funny story because we were very close friends. You know, it's it's an odd thing. That show took off in a really, really big way. It's an adjustment for everybody. There was never a moment where I thought, I pictured myself doing it. Never really? In all the, for all those years? No, it's that you look at that cast and it, it's almost like a, you're looking at a picture of a beautiful woman. It, look, it all works. I'm six foot three and a half. I'd be like Lurch. It would be like Friends and this guy. I, I'm sure it would have been fine. I'm selling myself well, short. David is tall. I, I think isn't I'm good he, at what I do. David's but, tall, isn't he? He's tall. I know him. We would have right. had plenty of funny stuff to do. I, you know, I, I get along with every. I, it would have been great. What what I didn't do is beat myself up because nobody comes up to you and says, by the way, this show, take it. It's going to replace Christianity. <laughs> no, it's a pilot. It's right, a pilot. Right. And that I thought I want to I always just go with what my heart, my heart said this and things worked out. The way. By the way, I never would have been able to do the music, man. That is the show I've been able. I, I was I was ready to go at eight with the music, man. Um, you know, mon I, I will say there are times where you're like, you know, it's come in handy right about now, $40 million. I will say this. I know a few people in the cast and I know plenty of people who have much more. And I knew them before. If they were happy before, they're happy now. If they're not, they weren't happy, then they are not happy now. And if there was any change, it was because they got a therapist <laughs> money is not money is not the thing the and i'm doing fine i never i never dreamt of it i just want to be able to support myself i always thought i want to make as much money as a pretty good dentist i would be happy doing that did you ever uh, appear on uh, friends over the years no they were very they're kind they were very kind first of all uh when chandler and monica start dating they go to see a show and they see the music man which i thought was cute huh. um and they did invite me to do a, a couple of them, and I didn't like the uh, the role. If they had sent me a good one, I'd have no problem with it. I know what I play well, and and there were some things I thought this get someone else to do this. I, oh, I don't want to do. You know, so you didn't want just the opportunity to to work with your friends, literally your friends. Oh, always, always, but only if it's right. I wouldn't. Uh, it, there's nothing worse than working. What if I was to go work with this is the feel if I, I usually am pretty good at telling like if a part is good for me or not. And sometimes it's heartbreaking and sometimes you're wrong. The nightmare would have been going and doing it and then not doing it well. This is weird enough. I'd want it to be a good experience. No, I, I had actually done a TV show with Matthew and I know what our chemistry is and we're still in touch just spoke to him uh, last week. Love him like a brother. Always have. Nobody makes me laugh harder uh, than than Matthew. He was that. He's funnier than Chandler. <laughs> he's actually funnier. Believe it or not. 
he could drop me like nobody else, uh, man. But, uh, and, and he was, that's the guy, that's the role. It was, and I just thought, I feel bad for Peter Best if he feels bad for himself. But the main thing is, you know, the Beatles didn't, if you watch, they're not that happy through the whole thing. They actually seem kind of pissed and bugged. And John, I've, I'm a Beatle freak. He would say, you, you had to be an asshole to be a Beatle. We were assholes. You have to be. If you're really, really famous for a long time, chances are you spend a large part of your day punching people off the mountain. Or you hire other people to do it so you don't have to lift your arm. But it's, it's, it's business. I love what I do, and I respect that it's a business. And I have had moments where I've, I've had to learn. But I don't have any regret. It's not a regret. I can't thank you enough. Uh, I, I think we've run out of time. For not doing I've, the show? <laughs> <laughs> I've kept you way too long. We've uh... no. This is what I really enjoy. You know, one of my favorite parts of show business is I'm a freak. I love talk shows. I love them. I miss them. I don't feel like they really exist anymore. Where people remember, like Dick Cavett. I watched the old sure. Dick Cavett. So you can hear coughing in the audience. So right. You can hear the air conditioner. Stilted silence. Just conversation. So this has been my pleasure. Thank you. And yeah, I, yeah, I really I do it. enjoy your show. Thank you. Yeah. So I wish you luck with it. And if anything ever interesting happens to me, I hope we can do this again. I hope so, too. Thank you. If you missed any of part one, don't forget to give that a listen as we talk about acting in the COVID world. Nick Morgison is my social media producer. Coming on President's Day, a pair of historians weigh in on the legacy of Donald J. Trump. Have a question or a comment? Send me a tweet at Jerry Barmash. Email hearnowthenewsjb at gmail.com. And check out my Hear Now the News Facebook page. Thanks for listening. I'm Jerry Barmash.